ocean carrier service quality is in the pits. Can artificial intelligence help? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The ability of commercial ocean carriers to stick to a schedule has always been dicey at best. Weather, labor, port conditions, equipment availability, and access to cargo in a timely fashion, all of these elements can play havoc with the ability of a container ship to arrive at destination anywhere close to on time. Recently, though, ocean carrier service reliability has been especially bad, with an on-time arrival record of between just 30 and 40 percent. Meanwhile, freight costs are soaring thanks to higher fuel prices, the war in Ukraine, port congestion, and any number of other factors. So how can carriers gain access to the visibility and insights that would allow them to prepare for constantly changing conditions in the trade? On this episode, we talk about the promise of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and data analytics with Ami Daniel, CEO of Windward. We'll learn how ocean carriers can get to the point of predicting both supply and demand and achieve an unprecedented degree of resilience against disruption. Here is our conversation. Ami Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Ami, what lessons have we learned from the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, and all the other stuff that's been going on in the last couple of years about the fragility of global supply chains? Well, we've learned about the fragility of supply chains. First of all, is that we can't take anything for granted anymore in the world. The price of bread, or even the fact that we still have bread, that's probably going to be affected in the near future by the Ukraine-Russia war. The fact that things get on time or we're able to deliver the things that we're making. And maybe last but not least, if you wait for the things, for the moment things break, you might break. And I think a great organization to learn from, and in the last few months we've seen half at Lloyd go all in on putting IoT in their containers in the next three or four years. And you would have seen Maersk really transform their company or start a journey of transforming their company Mm -hmm. from the ocean, ocean liner to an end-to-end supply chain and logistics company. Well, I do want to, I want to talk more about solutions in a moment, but I still want to, I'm hoping we can describe a little bit more of the situation as it now exists, especially I'm interested in knowing what's going on with ocean shipping right now. Why such poor service? We're talking 30 to 40% on-time arrivals. What is going on in the maritime sector? Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of things or amalgamation of things. I don't think there's one answer what's happening, but let's go one by one. So first of all, there's a difference in the supply and demand balance and specifically in the the e-commerce bookings. And I think you could have seen that from Target's results and Walmart's results and other people's results recently. So people have been importing more stuff into the U.S. and that creates more demand for bringing things in. That's one thing. Secondly, there's a shortage of truckers around the world in the U.S. and U.K. and Europe. And that's actually influences the turnover of the cargoes at port. Moreover, ships have become bigger in the last few years, and that probably creates less available berths, 
In addition to that, we are ending up with a new black swan every other week, I guess. China still has a zero COVID policy. You had a vessel in the Suez Canal. You had the vessels get stuck, containers get stuck. I think all of that just gets piled one on top of the other on top of the other. And it really is a big difference. We're seeing the average length of port calls almost double during the first week of 2022 versus 2021. We see a huge difference in the transit time in ocean shipping, almost a 100% increase in January 2022 versus 2021 in the transit time, i.e. from port A to port B, and I think in every other parameter. So this is just not going away, I believe. Transit time longer on the on the water, does that just mean the ships are slowing down? First of all, yes. The price of oil went up, which means that the price of bunker fuel went up as well. So absolutely, that is a consideration that we're seeing. I think that's one answer. Secondly, I think that also is influenced by the lack of consistency, I think, in imports, exports in China. So Yantian and Shanghai and all that getting closed down, I'm not sure that's helping, and that's constantly happening all the time. Okay, in the face of all that, though, we have people who were working for shippers who have to be able somehow to predict what's going to go on, what's going to happen in the future in order to plan their own shipments and their manufacturing schedules and their delivery schedules. This becomes a challenge, does it not? I mean, what are some of the factors that a company needs to take into account? Just as a human being, I want to get into automation and AI in a second, but just as people trying to figure this stuff out, what are all the factors that you have to keep in mind in order to come up with some reasonable prediction for what the future is going to look like just a few months from now? First of all, let's say this the back. The whole world called the visibility is a few years old. So a few years old, there wasn't any visibility. The track and trace, the, the protocol allowing people to think continue on liners is like four or five years old. DCSA, uh, the Digital Container Standards Association, is just a couple of years old, and they're really trying to standardize all this. So really, the world is just getting into visibility, I believe. That's number one. A second comment, and I think it's important to appreciate why specifically containerized shipments are so hard to predict. Have you taken a bus recently, maybe? Not recently, but I certainly have in my time. So at least in this country, when you take a bus, so first of all, they never come on time. But they also never come on time because there's a lot of stops on the way. And mm -hmm. the bus might leave on time, the first stop, but it might get delayed in the fifth stop, which means that the seventh stop, it might or might not come in on time. That's a simplification of, of the problem because buses drive through one or two cities max. Usually weether doesn't stop buses. And, you know, different side containers or, you know, transshipment and wait for other containers to come in. When you extrapolate that and look at container vessels, it's like a thousand times more complicated because you're talking about cargo that leaves the other side of the world. It can have 10 different port calls on the way. And if it's on time to stop two, it doesn't mean it's going to come on time to stop three and vice versa. So I think this is a problem that the human mind is really grappling with. And I don't believe it's, it's solvable in any way, shape, or form except the use of deep learning, from my experience. Well, it's just too much for the human mind to, to, to deal with the complexities of international supply chains, I'm, I'm guessing. Which brings us up to the question of the non-human mind, the so-called AI or artificial intelligence-driven solution. 
how is AI stepping up to help now? Is it in wide use? Is it helping to do a better job of predicting future situations? So first of all, let's talk a few words about AI. The use of AI isn't new in the world. Uh, let's call it a decade-old really. And really, the world leaders are Google and Facebook and Amazon, I believe, that have really created a path for everybody to follow. Machine learning is, I think, a bit older, I believe. And there's a nuance there, but the difference is, I believe, that AI and specifically deep learning is a very sophisticated way of statistics that is very good for problems at scale with a lot of labels. Or in other words, if you want to train a computer to predict something, you need to show him a lot of examples of that something. I think mm -hmm. shipments worldwide is a very good example to solve that because there's a lot of containers and a lot of port calls and a lot of history to do that. However, the complexity of the problem really, I think, just hits the road because there's so many factors and influences. So you have weather and congestion and port lineups and the, the speed and different berths and the different tugs and just fog or strikes and so on. You're saying that AI can be effective, but there, it sounds like there are limitations. AI is only able to predict the future by virtue of, of its ability to see in the past, just like human beings. So how does an AI system come to the point where it can actually predict the possibility of things that have never happened before? So I think it's a really good question, specifically when you talk about supply chain, where it's a very dynamic world. So the short answer is, in the last few years, you've had a branch of engineering called machine learning operations, or in short, MLOps, which allow you to run hundreds of AI models in the cloud, but also retrain them every day and synchronize them, what's called AI orchestration. That allows you and requires you to solve the supply chain prediction problem to train and retrain the model every day, as well as plug it with fresh data. So in the Suez Canal vessel example, the model obviously wouldn't be able to predict it if it never happened, happened before. However, once you retrain it that day, it does know it happened, and it can predict the implications because of the traffic getting stopped and learn from that. So you mm -hmm. both plug it in with fresh data as well as you expose it to the possibility it actually can happen. By the way, zero COVID in China is actually a good example because that has happened over and over and over again. But I think bottom line, the statistical level from our experience, AI models do, when built correctly, overperform carriers' predictions for arrival by a significant margin. What does the output look like in terms of an AI-driven system? Does it give you a number of possible scenarios, like what-if scenarios, and then attach probabilities to them? Or does it give you one scenario, one piece of output based on its best guess as to what the situation is going to be? What does that look like? Yes, it's a very good question. The answer is there are many ways to skin a cat. I don't think of a product and a system based on AI as one model. I think of it as a multiplicity of models because it could be one model that predicts ETA, another one that predicts estimated time of departure, ETD, another one that predicts estimated time of birthing, ETB, and every one of them will give you an output, a number. So it's predominantly a number that says, for instance, when is the vessel going to birth or call the port or, or leave the birth for that extent. And you constantly, uh, in the background, measure that model, these models, and make sure that the outputs are correct. You won't have any extreme errors. And by the way, when you deal with AI, you should know that sometimes models of AI, just by their nature, spit out super uh, unrelated predictions in a very small 
amount of the cases, but sometimes a human being would just be able to tell you, well, it doesn't make sense. And therefore, actually, when you build predictions, you orchestrate multiple models in multiple ways. So you could start with an AI model, uh, at a certain distance from the port, switch to an ML model, then to some other data, and vice versa. So mm. I think that's the level of focus and execution you need to do. You talk about how the system kind of refreshes almost every day. So is it constantly updating and reconsidering its conclusions based on new knowledge? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so that's the point. A deep learning model uses N parameters and creates N connections between these N parameters to solve the problem. So you know what's the data that's going, that's going in. And you need to be able to understand and have the main expertise in that data to tweak and analyze and, and teach the model. But at the end of the day, it is a black box that spits out results. There's way, there are ways around it, but you need to be deliberate and choose a really important reason to make that explainable. Um, because, again, this is a heavy technology to run and execute on. Yeah, it's interesting you should mention the black box because you're suggesting or others have suggested that an AI system might be outputting information without explaining to the human user the reasons for its conclusions, which does not give the human being the ability to determine the feasibility of those of that output because it doesn't know why it came to that conclusion. Is that a problem? It could be a problem. I think the question is what what is the conclusion? So I'll give you some examples from my experience. We've built before predictions for probability of vessels to have an accident uh, for marine underwriters in London, in the London market. Mm -hmm. These guys are experts, and they do, let's call it, a 1,000 deals a year, uh, oftentimes. So, but they would spend on every one of these 1,000 deals, like, a lot of time, hours, maybe tens of hours sometimes. Um, so in that case, explainability is super important because they're really experts. They don't want to see on a thousand times a year overall, the number is four and not know why. So from a user interface perspective, explainability is very important. I'm not sure that for a time of arrival of a container, it's that important, especially if you're a big shipper and you have like 10,000 of these. As long as you can establish uh, and prove in a statistical back-tested way that the models are actually accurate and they work. Uh, and also provide in-product uh, way to provide feedback on the predictions. So I don't think there's one way to do this, but I think it requires a lot of careful consideration on what are the things that require more or less explainability and why, because every one of these things costs a lot of money to develop and to maintain. So you better be deliberate on that, otherwise it's not going to work. What about the input issue? Does the AI model or the AI system have all the inputted data it needs in order to output the proper conclusions? Or are there still issues with it not having access to sufficient amounts of data, to clean data, to accurate data, to real-time data? Is that still a problem that needs to be addressed? Well, it's a very good question. Um, you mentioned a few things. So first of all, the data cleaning is a big issue and a big challenge. Specifically, if you talk about vessel data and vessel movement and schedules, this is a super dirty space, and mm -hmm. you need, in terms of the dirtiness of the data, obviously, so you need to invest a lot of time in knowing how to clean it and fuse it and create metadata and aggregate it and so forth. Schedules is another example. You would have sometimes three vessels called three ports, but that could be appearing on eight or nine schedules because they would be serving different liners. So an MSC box could once go on an MSC vessel and the other time go on a MERS vessel. 
So almost by definition, you have multiplicity of schedules. So absolutely need to clean data. That's number one. Number two, in terms of the ability to, um, to run it in real time, if you need to create models only in data that's available for you on real time, on a real time basis, on a continuous basis. So if you train a model on data that's not available to you, it doesn't help uh, because you can't input it and you can retrain it. So absolutely, that's an, that's an important factor. Um, and then you get to the issue of public versus private data. Um, from our experience, I can attest that if you're looking about building AI models for ETA prediction, I think with proprietary data uh, globally, it goes 10 years back. It absolutely can be done if you input weather and you know a lot of other things, which are complicated, but it can be done. And it, they have been achieved by very few people in the world, but I think it can be done. However, I can, can tell you we were speaking to other companies on predictions of other problems, which are not ETA-related at all, that absolutely require integration of private data, but also different types of data. So good AI systems will be able to take in time series data, imagery data, uh, NLP data, uh, maritime data, and convert all of these and use all of these after they've been cleaned in a systemic manner. I think everybody can agree that AI systems are getting better, that very nature of machine learning is such that it does learn it and get better. That being the case, do you foresee a time, even in the far future, when the whole process of predictive intelligence, maritime predictive intelligence, supply chain predictive intelligence, will be taken out of the hands of humans altogether, be entirely the province of a machine, without the need for human in, you know, output or deciding whether the output makes any sense or not? Yeah, I think, first of all, um, we're seeing a lot of people mature into this space. So, so a lot of people decide they want to have some kind of visibility. And I think now we're talking about visibility. I absolutely think that you'll be talking about not just predictive in insights, but prescriptive insights in the coming years. That's one comment. The second comment is I think humans are much better than AI at making decisions, but not necessarily making predictions. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll see a lot, of a lot of people moving from trying to predict and, you know, phoning the carrier, where's that, where's my cargo, when it's going to arrive, to taking decisions based on the prediction. And I think in the next three to five years, visibility is just going to become table stakes. So it's going to become the minimum required level. And you're going to talk really about not just supply chain predictions, but demand predictions. And I think that's part of the holy grail. And there's a few people looking at it. I've heard, you know, Flexport looking at modeling global trade and trying to orchestrate AI not supposed to do that in the very long term. I guess some other people are looking at it as well. But this is a very nascent area. And the majority of the market, if you look at shippers, you have hundreds of thousands of shippers in the world. Uh, and I think there's a very big chasm between the very big ones, you know, like IKEA, Walmart, or Nike, the super big ones. But you have a super long tail of people shipping 20,000 containers, 50,000 containers, 60,000 containers. And these people aren't necessarily, they won't necessarily have 100 people doing data science for them. They're shippers. They have cargoes and they, have, they run their own business. They're not an AI business. So I think that's a very big opportunity. That's a very big need. Ami Daniel of Windward, I want to thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the issues that come with a difficulty of predicting what's going on in supply chains and maritime especially and how AI, artificial intelligence, can be of assistance now 
and in the future. Thank you so much for your for your time. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Ami Daniel of Windward, talking about the promise of predictive maritime intelligence. We're online at www.splychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.